Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, so the Miami Marlins have acquired Jake Berger from the Chicago White Sox in exchange for Jake Eater. So first, I think, what's up, everyone? I think we are just a little over, well, 453 here from where I am. So a little over an hour still remaining for Miami to make one more move if possible. But first, I think it's fair to talk about Jake Berger and what he's going to bring. And um, very quickly, just to read out the stats here. Who I know he has 25 home runs, 214 batting average. Someone's not, you know, it's a big power bat. I think what Miami's really getting here with Berger. Uh, 52 RBIs, 115 WRC plus, mainly plays third base. I really like the trade for Miami. Um, it's a guy who I believe still has control left. I'm about to confirm that. He has all of his control, Kevin. This is just oh. his first full year in the big league, so still basically earning the league minimum. I think even next year, still pre-arbitration eligible. Yeah, so yeah, I'll give my quick thoughts on it as well. Like This is a guy I've been watching him. He's, his name did cross my mind. As this trade line got closer, I think a lot of people were on the same wavelength that you circled – the Cardinals and you circle the White Sox as the two most likely trade partners uh, for the Marlins here. So the fact that they're dealing with the White Sox, not a surprise, except for the fun fact that these teams have not hooked up on a real trade for about nine years prior to this one. So they have not worked with each other frequently, but it just made way too much sense. I thought uh, considering everything that the White Sox had available and of course the, their reality of their season and with Berger, um, I think RM Layden put it pretty closely. I'll probably add his tweet here where they're selling high on a guy that just hasn't been on the field very much. 
after being a former first round pick for a lot of he's had big injury setbacks in his career. And even now having a career year, you know, he's an incomplete player. There are some extremes in this guy's game and the big positive And the one where it's hard to dislike this on first glance is because the big positive is the power 25 home runs for somebody who isn't even starting every single day on joining a Marlins team as an infielder. This was, this is the type of player that made a lot of sense. You just didn't know if he would be fully available like the other white Sox because he is still so young and so cheap and under control for so long with this team. But the Marlins were able to get the deal done by offering one of their very best prospects in return, Jake Eater. And that's a guy I've had, uh, I've been generally high on him Uh, from watching him recently. I had a feeling that if they were going to trade him now, though, they wouldn't get quite as much value as he used to have when he was in previous trade rumors before his Tommy John surgery. And I think that's kind of reflective here. You know, they get a, a player that helps them quite a bit now and probably will help them in the next couple of years. But, you know, somebody that has a relatively limited ceiling, that's probably not going to be an everyday starter, even on this team. And yeah, they trade away somebody in Eater that as soon as next year could be a really effective major league starter if everything goes well. So there's some risk uh, on both sides. The risk that Berger just doesn't make enough contact to be a good net positive for your team. He is striking out 32% of the time this year. That's uh, I think that's even worse than just about anybody on the Marlins. That might be even worse than Avi is at this point in the season, just to give you uh, some context. Avi, for example, 29% both this year and last year. That, that's, that's a big hole in his game for sure. Um, that being said, he, he, he addresses a pretty immediate need, and the alternatives on this market were not great. There were so few other – how many other position players traded at this deadline are better offensively than Jake Berger? There's, it's a really small list that it could probably fit on one hand. Um, so that that's – it's an interesting deal, and my first glance is that it's a pretty fair deal that's appropriate for both sides. Just quickly before we move on, there were the Dodgers and the Tigers had a trade for Eduardo Rodriguez, and that got vetoed. So, quick update with that. So, Eduardo Rodriguez still not a not traded yet. So, um, yeah, Carver. Obviously, your boy Jake Eater is gone. I just want to get your thoughts on you know what Miami's giving up. I think that's where where we have to go. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think it's a mutually beneficial trade. The Marlins definitely need an upgrade at that position, and they got it here with the guy who's very young that still has a lot of control. Um, it hits a ton of home runs. Um, you know, they went the uh, the route of uh, acquiring a lot of guys that just get base hits, uh, like Arias and others, uh, you know, in the offseason. And here they get a, a good power bat that will definitely be an upgrade over Segura uh, at their base. So, um, yeah, uh, this pushes Segura into that, you know, veteran leader role, probably goes to the bench, right? Sticks around the team, but goes to the bench and is more of that mentor kind of guy. We all hear he's how great he is in the clubhouse. Well, he still has that role. Uh, he just won't be starting every day. Uh, that spot will belong to uh, Mr. Berger. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's definitely cool to see. Um, it's cool to see them get a position that they need. Um, and it's a guy that's going to be with the Marlins for a while. Um, you know, Marlins like players like this that have a lot of team control. He'll be very cheap uh, until, what, 2028? Um, he'll be very, very cheap. Uh, may have to pay him a little bit extra in arbitration when he gets there. But, but man, the Marlins will definitely take that. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely like the addition of Berger uh, for this team, not only for this year, but also for the future. Um, this is a guy that's going to be here not just for this year and help the team out this year. He's going to help him out in the future as well, I believe. I think this is going to be your staple third baseman for a while. Um, and I think he has more improvement to do. Um, you know, right now he's only a power threat, more so. 
than anything, but um, that doesn't mean he can't become more um, if the Marlins can withdraw that from him. So I, I like the return of Berger. To answer your question on, on Jake Eater, um, well, the Marlins are giving up one of their best pitching prospects, uh, that's for sure. Um, this guy was challenged, along with Max Meyer, to double uh, A in 2021, and Eater was better. There's, there's no other way to put it. Came out in his major league, or sorry, in his pro debut, and I think struck out 10 guys. Um, I think his slider is one of the best in minor league baseball. Um, the risk for the White Sox is the fact that he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. And since he's been back, he's been quite wild. Um, so that's what the White Sox are going to have to fix. Um, but I definitely think that Eater can do it. Um, really good, really, really good pitcher. Um, I think he's got three pitches to him. He's up to 95. Usually sits like 92, 93, but can reach up to 95. And the breaking pitchers are real, real good, especially that slider. So, yeah, they're giving up one of their top pitching prospects, but I think we all anticipated that Eater could be a guy that would be leaving the Marlins organization. Uh, and you see it here uh, in a one-for-one, one, a Jake-for-Jake. Jake. I, I really do like this trade. It sucks to see Eater go, but I, I do like the return of Berger for sure. Yeah. So, obviously, Miami feels the need. I, I think really, and I think, it, you know, I think we could all say that Aside from Solaire, there's not really a clear power bat in this lineup. Avi Garcia obviously hasn't shown out much power with the Marlins. De La Cruz, I think this is his first real season with 10 plus homers, a career high right now. And right now, you're getting Jake Berger with 25 bombs and probably can finish with you know a little over 30. So Miami's getting a pretty crucial bat in the order. Obviously, if we want to look at what's what we don't like about Berger, obviously a 31 strikeout rate not good 279 obp not good doesn't walk too much um so yeah um eli anything else you want to add with with burger well i did add the tweet from baseball trade values which is a polarizing site that you know, for all its flaws the the vast majority of deadline trades fall within their model and to see that the marlins come out as fleecing the white Sox here and it being rejected as uh, an overpay by the White Sox that surprised me a little bit at first glance. I and as I explained in this thread, that they probably overvalued Berger and maybe they're undervaluing Eater a little bit, just considering how he's gradually trending upwards in recent weeks and looking closer to his formal self. But I have to say, I watched Eater myself, I watched his 10 strikeout game, his best game of the season this past week, and I was not overly impressed. His velo is still down where it was pretty substantially he was topping out at 95 but kind of sitting in the low 90s during a start and the reason why he piled up so many strikeouts is because he diced up all these lefties in the lineup um with eater i see him as more of a high floor pitcher than he is a, that ceiling is still relatively high if he gets the velo back but more so he's a high floor guy because he's gonna dominate lefties and i think even at the big league level he's a safe bet to have a lot of success against lefties the question i think is uh, every other aspect of him you know the changeup. i think it looks a little bit better since he's been back from his injury than it was before so that's going to be a, a crucial piece of him to stick as a starter but for the moment there is a fair question about whether or not he's even going to be a starter at the big league level there's a big difference in value between that and um obviously what role you have is pretty crucial in determining your value he's going to have to go on a 40-man roster this upcoming offseason marlins would have done that pretty easily but still it's yet another consideration that he's an unknown and you'll have to the clock slowly starts to tick on him his uh, you know how much maneuverability you have with him um yeah if i was the marlins i would have really preferred to hold on to him during the rest of this season try to see I would anticipate that his value was going to go up the rest of this year as he slowly reestablished himself. 
But at the same time, your main focus is on addressing the holes on this team, and they address the big hole right here. So, yeah, I'm in favor of it. I don't quite agree with the model that it was a fleece here. Um, I do, yeah. The more that I stew over this, the more I like it. Um, but it's just such a good fit for what this team needs at this particular moment. Yeah, uh, middle of the bat order. I mean, when you look, when you go to baseball savant and you go to max exit velocity, he's in the 100th percentile. So that's good to see. And then 92 and 92nd percentile when it comes to average exit velocity, 99 and barrel percentage, hard hit 91 and X slugging, expected slugging is in the 93rd percentile. Obviously, the K rate needs to go down. Um, and then obviously, we'd like to see him get more on base. But aside from that, it's it's a fine trade and. Obviously, Chicago needed pitching when it comes to bringing young pitchers, and Lance Lynn wasn't working out. Um, so it's just a tough trade. I mean, it's a good trade for for both sides, I would say. Um, either probably major leaguer next season. Oh, you would think Eli or, or, or Carp using that White Sox rotation next year. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, I 100% think he will be. Um, like I said, this guy was was very far advanced when when they put him in Double A right out of the drafts uh, in 2021. Um, so yeah, I definitely think he could be. I think he needs to work out some of the control problems that he's had since he's been back, and then like Eli said, just a little bit more polish on the changeup. But man, his velo looks good. Um, it's increased since 2021. I mean, he's just not coming back from TJ. He's only a few starts in, and his his velo is is hitting 95, which is not something he does often. But he sits 93 and then has those good tunneling breakers. Like I said. Yeah, uh, I think he needs to improve the, con- the control a little bit uh, from what I've seen of him lately. Um, and then uh, some more polish on the changeup. But yeah, he definitely could get to the, the White Sox 26-man roster um, in 2024. All right, so now I do want to talk about kind of the, the guys that Miami probably had a, you know an interest in and uh, or the guys that Miami did have interest in. I think we could start with Michael Lorenzen, who goes to Detroit uh, for how you lead. For Detroit, to Philadelphia for Howie Lee. That was their number, I believe, sixth or seventh rank prospect in their organization, according to Pipeline. Obviously, Lorenzen is having a, a phenomenal month of July. He's been really good. And um, that was someone that Miami didn't have interest in, uh, according to John Morosi. Obviously, that's Miami needs pitching. They need a starting pitcher. And Lorenzen was someone that obviously made a lot of sense, given he was on a one-year deal, not too cheap in terms of just the money. And Miami probably could have given up a good prospect for him or a decent mid-level prospect for Lorenzen. But obviously, he ends up going back. He's going to Miami, but joining the the, the visitor's clubhouse in Philadelphia. So, Eli, your thoughts on that trade? Do you think Miami could have probably beat the price that Philadelphia played for, paid for uh, Lorenzen? I wasn't super enthusiastic about Lorenzen as a fit. Like, I thought it would be much better than getting nothing. I just had worries about what he looks like down the stretch. Um, for somebody that is just not accustomed to starting very much in his career, that's been primary, primarily a reliever. Um, I, I was of the opinion that ideally, if they're going to go after a starter and pay any a substantial cost to get a starter, it should be somebody that you could at least squint and see starting playoff games for them, or at least you know starting crucial games in late September with Lorenzen. That's a big question mark. And unfortunately, there just haven't been that many of those starters on the market. Um, we'll see if they pluck somebody at the last hour uh, to do so. Uh, yeah, I didn't love the fit. It hurts to see him go to a team you're directly competing against. Um, that for sure hurts. Uh, but it does seem like with this coming together at this time, 
you'd think it's unlikely that he pitches in this series, right? So it's something different if you actually, if he is some directly facing you um, in your hunt for a playoff spot, it doesn't seem like he's going to be available to start on Thursday afternoon or that quick a turnaround. Um, so yeah, that was the guy that was just, I was never super enthusiastic about him in the first place. Uh, but I do feel that they need to do something to add a starting arm over this next hour. Ideally, um, really worried about Edward Cabrera, and I still don't trust Johnny Cueto, even though he has surpassed our expectations since he's been back. You simply cannot, you, you can't put, put any responsibility on him. You can't just assume that he's going to stick at this level, given that his, he's barely pitched at all this year, and given how terrible he looked at times during his rehab. Um, so it's a thin, yeah, it's a thin rotation, especially when you look at Lazardo and Braxton Garrett also pitching innings that they haven't pitched before. Uh, so it would be hard to chalk up this deadline as a total success unless they add some sort of arm to eat innings before it's over. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why not call out, Kevo, on, uh, before you get to the uh, audience questions. Uh, one more thing to call out. <clears throat> this guy's Jake Berger's pretty bad on defense. Um, there's no getting around. Pretty bad on defense. Um, also has, what is this? Let me see. Uh, negative four defensive runs saved already this year. That's pretty bad. Um, if he's going to be a third baseman for the rest of this year or maybe next year, whatever it may be, that, that has to improve. There's no, no real room for him to go to DH with everything else the Marlins have in the outfield. So he's going to be a third base, but so he's, he's really, really got to improve his defense. Yeah. Uh, I guess if you want. I mean, that's a super small sample size. Obviously, he has he's over league average at just second base. Yeah, I saw I saw recently. I saw him playing second base recently. That raised my eyebrow. That uh, just I think this past week he was playing one, two, three games. Yeah, he played a lot of second base. All that came very recently with him. So I'm glad that grades out well. He but he's um yeah he doesn't have the typical body. Obviously, they don't need any more second baseman, right? Like that's the deepest position on the team, both this year and beyond. So I imagine they see him as a corner infielder, both third base and first base. Um, so we will again. We're so little time to see exactly what they still do here. Um, as we were talking about leading up to the deadline, um, the Marlins have a lot of they have a lot of bodies on the hitter front. They have a lot of guys that you actually can't really maneuver with. A lot of veterans that are either underperforming or should be in reduced roles. So, like, when you put Berger on the roster, who is the hitter that gets slid off the roster? Um, it's hard to have a clear answer. And, I mean, that's just another reason why Garrett Cooper in particular has been kind of speculated about, and I guess there's some reporting about him 
being a trade candidate as well, uh, just because we're at a point where you, you wouldn't really send down one of the outfielders, it doesn't seem, to put Berger up. And you wouldn't send down, even though you have a struggling catching situation, you're not going to, that doesn't make any sense. You still need two catchers on the roster. So I will be fascinated to see exactly what the corresponding move is in terms of how they open up room for another hitter on the roster. I don't think it's a super easy decision at the moment. Just for context, Miami did try to trade for uh, Carlos Santana from the Pirates. And it's obvious that they've been looking at the first base market. I could say that they tried to go for Crone from the Rockies. And um, aside from that, obviously, Cooper, one-year deal, expiring contract, not playing very well. You can definitely say that. And, and with the Crone, it's been past interest. It wasn't this deadline, just for clarity. And um, I wouldn't be shocked if they do try to find a trade for Cooper. Obviously, Valley not too high right now, given how bad he's been this season. But there's going to be a team that's going to want to take a chance on him. Obviously, you could plug him in there. I like Houston as a fit. I've liked it for a while. Jose Abreu hasn't been too good, so maybe Cooper going there. But Carver, your hands up. What do you got? So just real quick for both of you guys, um, with the loss of Eater, who, of course, I thought was the best lefty pitching prospect in the Marlins organization, maybe some of you guys think Dax Fulton. So my question is the impact this has not only on the system, but when it comes to left-handed pitching, because they have Dax Fulton and then what this new guy they got in the draft, um, I think it was a CBA pick. What was the guy's name? Thomas White. Thomas. Yeah. So they have Thomas White. They have Dax Fulton. And then I guess the next best lefty pitching prospect would probably Monteverde. Um, so this leaves the system a little bit barren when it comes to lefty starters. So my question for you guys is like, who is uh, probably Fulton, but other than Fulton, who is like the next best lefty pitching prospect in the Marlins system now that Eater's gone? Oh, I think it's Thomas White. I mean, there's not much more after that, to be honest with you. They, Miami essentially, in the comp round, got someone who was expected to be a mid to late first round pick. Um, this guy, I've heard amazing stuff. I've heard that he could possibly be better than Noble Meyer, is what I've heard. And right now, obviously, on the fish on first list, it doesn't reflect, but you know, since he's on number nine, but I, I would assume he's going to make a big jump on this list. Now. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a loss to the to the overall pitching depth. Like it's it used to be great, but uh, man, it's taken. It wasn't good already. <laughs> it wasn't as strong as it was in years past already, especially with recent injuries. Um, now it takes another hit here with uh, with Eater going the other way. So um, Marlins known for that great pitching development, but. Uh, man, uh, top-end guys, it looks a little rough, especially from the left-hand side after maybe the new names. Yep. Uh, Nick, or intern Nick, we're going to let him talk a little bit. I did not, I forgot he had joined. So, Nick, Jake Berger, your thoughts, and then obviously what Miami's giving up, and if you want to add to anything else. I absolutely love the trade. I personally just love it because he has a fantastic name, Jake Berger. We're going to get Burger Bombs. And I think that is one of the most exciting things to happen in Miami. But overall, I think the best part about it is just the long term. It's up to deal because we were talking about it yesterday when I was at the ballpark. We talked with a couple of people where it's like looking into next year. It's those kind of infield corner infield positions. It's like there's just old players that we have there where it's like there's no real future. And if Jake Berger can actually produce and do really good, it's he has a future at one of those corner spots, which is a big bonus. I think we do take, like Harvard was saying, a big 
hits of the pitching system and with the farm system, I think that hurts. But I think overall, this is going to be a beneficial trade for the Marlins and really create some more power in the lineup. Because Skip even said a post game yesterday, he was going through guys and he was like, we don't have, he said something around the lines so of like, we don't have any power besides Solaire and him showing off is good. But it's so Jake Berger really gives that extra oomph to the lineup that depending where they slot him in the lineup, it's an extra kind of bat that pitchers can be afraid of that, hey, this guy can hit a home run because now you have Jazz, Solaire, and Jake Berger now sitting in the lineup that can actually hit home runs and hit them consistently. So I think it's good. Yeah. I, I just wanted to say I've floated a version of this stat before of what, regarding different players. Jake Berger has more home runs this year than all the Marlins infielders combined. Like you can look it up. <laughs> he is more than you can mind the games that played at first base, second base, shortstop, and third base between Cooper and Yuli and Arise and Segura and Wendell and Birdie. Yeah, the only one for, of that entire group that hits for power is Cooper, and he has actually had his best production when he's a DH. So they this was such a hole on the team, and it, it doesn't tr- change everything about them. It makes a pretty big difference. Um, it it is a really particular area. That's been addressed. Uh, yeah. Well, ideally, what you hope is that somehow you can, it, it, what's tri- tricky to deduce is whether Berger has already like reached his peak or whether there's a way to make him a more complete player and cut down the K's. And for whatever reason, he has a very low batting average on balls in play at 225 or league averages yeah. in the 290s. Does that turn around or is there something with his batted ball profile that makes him really easy to defend? That's a big question. Um, but for the Marlins team, when you have so much time to figure this out with him and when he's already a productive player, even with these flaws, that's the thing. They This was not a deadline where you could really take a chance on Yoan Moncada, who's been playing like crap for a year and a half. You can't, this was not a deadline where you can mess around with continuing with paying a decent price to acquire somebody that's not performing. A Tim Anderson, for example, this was, you can't mess around with that. You need to get guys that are actually performing right now. Um, to have some measure of confidence that they can help you right now. In addition to their particular fit, you want guys that were currently performing. And yeah, this checks a lot of boxes. I'll just reiterate that this was one of the players on the White Sox that I didn't think they'd be eager to trade just because of how much control they have left on him. Um, but, and I think from what I've seen, he's pretty popular there as well. Um, so the fact that they were able to convince them to do it. And for this moment, I haven't seen anything different is if it is, if it is just eater going the other way, and if it is no other players, then, I think this one is a win, but we can let Nick Alvarez talk now. He's one of our newest super subscribers. And uh, what do you think, Nick, about what's happened thus far? I'm a bit of a mixed bag, to be honest with you. Like, I can see the upside of Berger. Um, You know, basically, I feel like his ceiling could be an Adam Dunn type from the right-hand side. But... I also feel like his floor could just be a guy who barely struggles to hit over 200 and, you know, maybe hits like 20, 30 homers a year, and but that's all he does. So it's good, but it's I don't feel like it's great. You know what I mean? It's a, I feel like for, you know, how long we have him under control – you know, and then for Jake Eater, who, like you said, just is coming off of Tommy John, I feel like it's good value, but I'm just a little nervous about the profile of Jake Berger. That's really what I 
have to say about it right now. Okay. Thank you so much. We are going to let in... Um, let's let in... We, we missed... Miss- yeah, go ahead. Oh, who do you have in? Uh, let me pick out the uh, aquatic mascot fan. I think he was the one that requested before the others. Okay, okay. Sounds good. Jeez, we got a lot of requests. All right. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, aquatic mascot fan. What are your thoughts on this Jake Burger trade? And if you have anything else, now's your time. So I like the trade. The strikeout issue doesn't bother me as much as it should for some reason. Defensively, I'm worried. Uh, Segura hates seeing him at the plate. Not terrible defensively. Cooper is at the bottom of my list right now. I am done with Garrett Cooper. I know Burgers played some second. What are y'all's thoughts on maybe moving him to first base? He's only played five career games there, but I mean, I guess not to be an ass, but you know, his body type kind of fits the mold of the first baseman. So it makes sense, I would say. So. I mean, yeah, I know we have 40 like minutes left. We, we have 40 minutes left, right, uh, before 6 o'clock Eastern. It, 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 honestly, it's a good question. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the Marlins swing a last-minute deal for the ex contract of Mr. Cooper. But um, yeah. we'll see. I think if Miami trades Cooper, I'm pretty sure Burger goes to first. I mean, that's all I can think of right now. I'm, yeah, I, I mean... It, <laughs> I guess it would have to be um, no, no. almost unless you start Yuli every day, which I don't think they're going to do that. No, so. I, I, I think one thing that's relatively clear is that Burger's going to play quite a bit at third base. There's mm. there's nobody under the delusion that Segura is back to the player that they thought he would be and that he should be playing yeah. every single day. This is going to eat into Segura's playing time no matter what. Um, so I think that part, that is that to me is kind of the main difference. Um, where I think even defensively, it's not that much of a downgrade. It's hard. Like Segura was struggling at third base for most of the, this year as well. So this that was the biggest weakness on their roster was third base. And I got a guy who can play a lot of third base. Even if it's not all there, I think part of the time, you're going to see him in that position. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is definitely going to be uh, much less playing time for Segura, as I said at the start. But if you do trade Cooper for something else that you need, or maybe even for you know, some, some upper level prospects or whatever it is. It's an expert deal. Um, will the Marlins re-sign Cooper next season? I don't think so, honestly. Um, but, but yeah, um, I, I really do think that if they do trade Cooper, there is room to do it because Berger can play first as well. But yeah, uh, Segura is going to be, uh, uh, a lot, playing a lot less at their base, I would say, uh, with this acquisition. With just under an hour left in the trade deadline, we have Isaac Azu, who is at the ballpark. He saw Craig, probably put out the tweet you probably saw him do it so isaac your thoughts on the trade and uh what are the reactions around the ballpark kind of a part two of a press box report here is he he's a speaker right i'm not he is yeah you did you did fine but he's probably got too much background noise at the moment who me yeah who you (laughs) sorry guys sorry let's talk with kyle see off a little bit um he, he seems to think that you don't make this move unless something else is coming. And I heard you guys talking about Segura. He's the guy. I would not be surprised if they cut him loose. Uh, I, I, I asked the person who told me this, and they like, would Bruce Sherman be okay with this? That's just, you know, money down the drain. He's like, I don't know. But that uh, he would be playing third base, Jake Berger, yeah. without a doubt. And I, I'm, I am curious to see what they do with Cooper because that is the interesting part. But, yeah, he's going to be playing third. 
and Sigurd seems to be the odd man out, from what I understand from the ballpark. And what are your thoughts on the burger trade? I like it. You need the infield power. The, the power that this team has in the infield is is very minimal. So you do it. Jake Eater is a steep price, but you know what? You hey, if trade, baseball trade simulator says it's good, then it has to be good, right? It has to. But no, it, it, it's what a it's what a team in this position does. You you trade from your minor league depth, even though it is your probably your, arguably your best um, asset. You do get someone that it helps you right now, and I love the control. You have five years of control with Jake Berger. You saw the baseball savant page. He's got 100 percentile exit velocity, hard hit percentage. He is a he's a good bat, but he hasn't done it for too long at the major league level. So we shall see. Mm, yeah, alrighty. So we are gonna let all right. Oh, well, you like just let him in. All righty, perfect. We have Cracker McGee here. He's connecting from it. So we'll give him the, the, the we'll give him the awkward silence for like a couple seconds here. None <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, just a look around. What is still out there? Um, like, Clarity is out there. Eduardo Rodriguez is out there on the pitching side. Yeah, for people with Eduardo Rodriguez, he exercised his no trade power to not go to the Dodgers. Uh, but the Marlins are not a team that are on his list. So if for whatever reason, I don't think that's a likely fit. I think it's I think Flaherty would be more likely than. Eduardo Rodriguez, but that that's still an interesting twist. You don't see guys reject going to the Dodgers that much during the middle of a year where the Dodgers are good as usual. I think we had some issue with uh, Cracker McGee. It did not work for Cracker McGee, so I just let the next person at the top, and it's still connecting. Either y'all have bad Wi-Fi, or or we have too many people in the space, and like a hundred people have to stop listening or something. Guys, please don't stop. Oh my <laughs> God, we have a lot. Let's see, 36 minutes to go right here. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at what's left on the market, it's not, it's not much. Again, this is a seller's market mainly, not much buyers. Right. And that being said, somebody like Berger is not a player that – he's somebody that wasn't necessarily top of mind as a player that would be on the market in the first place. There's always surprises, especially during the last hour, of players getting moved that we didn't think necessarily were being shopped heavily. So, um, I don't know, I think we finally got somebody to connect, right? Did we not? No, I just let someone else in because the other one didn't. He left. What's on your mind, Matthew, about the deadline? It's still connecting for me. It says he's a speaker on my end. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay, well. Weird. This is very weird. All right, let me let Marlon's network in and see how this works. We'll let two of you in. They really are wife. Oh, all right. We got Marlon's network in here. He is a speaker on my end. What's up? I don't know which one of you are connected onto the account right now because I know there's a couple of you. So, what's yeah, up, Anthony? All right. What's up, Anthony? Your thoughts on the Jake Burger trade? And if you want to add on to anything else, man. And- I mean, I'm happy we finally got some power, but, dude, the batting average, that scares me, man. And the strikeouts, like, I just don't know how to feel about this right now. Trading Jake Eater, I feel like he had a lot more valuable value than people are saying he did. Like, this is a steep price. I, the thing I do like is the club control we have on him. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not a feel right now. 
I think a lot of us were in agreement that the one a mistake would have been trading Eater for a pure rental, and that the club controls is, is a big part of that. Um, yeah, in this case, they're just trying to marry the best of both. We're having a guy that is productive right now, and he built, he's a clear upgrade at a position where this team was vulnerable, and he's under control for so much longer. And he's even he's not making much money along the way, even the league minimum salary um, with it. But it's there's risk. There is risk, and he was not. I think during the week right before the trade, he was playing pretty well. But for the most part, um, a lot of his good production was centered earlier in the year. Let me just take a closer look at exactly how that went. Yeah, in April, he had this string rate, four homers in five games. He was OPSing 995 in April, and then he was almost as good in May. Big drop off in June. And then this past month, it was kind of inconsistent, where so much of his production, it comes and goes with the power. Depends how many balls he sends over the wall. Now, like historically with this Marlins theme, it's a question of when you get a power hitter, how much of that power is going to translate to Lone Depot? And there have been a lot of cases of guys that it doesn't translate quite as well. With Berger, they're hoping that this is somebody on the real top end of the raw power scale, where if he squares the ball up, that it will go out of anywhere. Let me take this a look at this on StatCast, where they show you like the number of home runs and expected home runs. And with him, it's 25 actual home runs and it's 24 and a half expected home runs. 25 homers this year, 24 of them would have gone out at Lone Depot, according to their estimates. Uh, this is the type of player where, yeah, it's not, it's the type of power that clears the wall by plenty when he does square it up. And so they, they think that he's safer than other power hitters. And um, to be determined whether that is the case, but I can, I can understand the thinking here. Yeah. Do you guys really think they're done with Gene Segura after this? I don't think so. Like, that's I think a good question. I mean, yeah, I really honestly, so. it, I mean, let's let's put it like this: they did acquire a third baseman. Um, not, I mean, we expect, but we they acquired someone that we expect to play third base. He's a free agent in twenty twenty nine. It all indicates that either they're going to trade Gene Segura or they're just going to let him ride the bench and kind of put him in that, a little bit of some type of a role. Yeah, I, I can so. totally see him playing some type of utility role. Like, I don't think they just ship him out. Because his values are all time low right now, or maybe they put him at, you know, at second base. Yeah, like, maybe they give up with the third base experiment and he goes to second or something. When our eyes has a day off. And yeah, and I, yeah. I mean, anything else reports that we're yeah. like looking for a first baseman. Like, I could see Jake Berger going there, maybe moving a rise to first and putting Segura at second, and I don't know, but I don't. I think I do think they're done with Gary Cooper. Yeah. Now to be clear, yes. Yes, Segura. I think I think any way you slice it, Segura is the weakest link on the roster. But because he is under contract through next year as well at a pretty high number, that's why um, it was hard for me to envision them cutting ties now because he is playing a little bit better recently. I, I thought the natural move would be having him just in a reduced role for the time being, where he still has he, there still is that contrast and skills that are somewhat complementary between him and Berger because he still does hit for contact at a pretty high level. There are certain situations where you could, you still would have value off the bench on days when he's not starting. Um, but that being said, you know, if you're just going by talents alone and uh, overlook and not looking at any of the other factors, then Sakura would be the weakest link. And we got to keep you know, pointing out that they're going to need to do something interesting with this hitter group. They're going to have 13 hitters on the roster. They have 13 on the roster right now. You could look up and down. Um, one of those guys has to go. Only a few of them have minor league options, and I don't think those guys are getting optioned in this situation. 
all signs point to, you know, one of these veteran players having to get squeezed out in some way or fashion in order to make room for Berger. Texas Rangers. I don't think any of us care. Probably the best defensive catcher on the market goes to Texas. But anyways, um, I, I, I hope he comes up for, oh, yeah, he does. All right, Specs, what's up? Your thoughts on the trade and anything else you may want to add? What's going on, guys? Uh, this is not a good trade. All right, we got we got Casey McGahee, basically. He's going to be the random guy in the seventh inning when we're down 8-0 to hit a solo shot, and that's it. This is a terrible trade. Either should have been traded for the Cardinals for, like, Gorman in a package deal. This is a terrible trade. That is all. Wow. I'm the minor league guy, and I think this was a good trade. That's crazy. All right. Casey McGee isn't exactly a good comp for Berger. Casey McGee had little to no power, you know, in his Marlins tenure, so I don't know where he came up with that comp. But anyway, thank you for sharing. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that either. Um, I think this. I think the guy's solid, man. I mean, yeah, he needs to improve on a couple things, like we said at the beginning. He doesn't hit for average, but the Marlins have plenty of guys that hit for average. He's going to strike out. Yeah, that could use to come down, but 30% is at least manageable. At least it's not 40, right? So that's manageable. And then you stick him at the end of the lineup for those guys that got on base in front of him and give him the ability to drive in runs. This is definitely an upgrade, man. You take the hit on defense. Yes, it is the downgrade on defense. Even from Segura, I think it is a downgrade on defense. Um, this guy has not been good on defense, but you deal with that. If the guy's putting out 30, 40 balls a year, you deal with that all every day. Alrighty, we have insert hyper here. So your your thoughts on the trade and anything else you may want. Uh, we're done. So basically, I, I think there's levels to it, right? Eater, he has more upside than I think Burger, but right now it's a necessary overpay to make. So I think it's a good trade. But I, I don't think trading is our problem right now. It's our top end of the rotation. We're not getting enough production. That's why we're not winning the games as a reason. All righty. Anything else on your end? Or that you may want to mention aside from the burger trade? Anything on your mind about this team? It, it's a fair point, by the way. I like that. Guys with more contact than power, but I mean... I trust Kim. She wins a lot of trades. I trust whatever moves she makes. <laughs> That's a lot of confidence, but uh, it's, a, it's a fair point that you made. Um, yeah, and, and um, the moves that she's made here this year, at least, have been, I think, overall, so far, pretty good. Um, so, yeah, um, the confidence in me is also going up for, for Kim. I think this has been a good year for her. Previously, I, I, I honestly will be transparent and won't say that I was the same way in years past. But I do like this year. I think it's been better. Um, what I would say for your point, though, um, yes, they do give up more long-term projection. But that's what you do in every trade for a prospect that is going in return for a Major League Baseball player, especially if it's a one-for-one, one, right? Um, they know that Jake Eater's long-term projection could be that of a one-two, at the very least, I would say floor, three-four starter. But they're getting a guy that can help them and will help them, I believe, right now today because they're serious about winning baseball games. So it's a one-for-one for, one for a reason. They're giving up the long-term projection, but they're getting back a guy with a lot of control and a guy that will still be able to help beyond this year. Yes, he's not perfect. Yes, he's, he has things he needs to improve on, Jake Berger. But um, this is definitely a, a fine trade, grading long-term development for current uh, production. So I think that's what you see here. 
Yeah, and and I think what needs to be really mentioned is that this was this is a big seller's market. It's not surprising Miami had to give up someone like Jake Eater, especially for someone that's not a free, that's a free agent in twenty twenty nine. So this guy has a lot of control left. He's a good bat for now. It's it's someone I like in Miami, and um, you have to give up a name to get a name. So that's what Miami did here. Thank you so much for speaking, and we are going to go on to the next one. We have nine requests. And we're just going to go down the line here. Oh, crap. All right, here we go. We already had Gabriel in here. He's a super subscriber. Let him talk. Oh, whoops. My bad. Gabriel, what's up? Your thoughts on the trade? I did not notice you added someone here. Oh, you're good. You're good. Hey, so um, I actually really like the trade. Um, I really like it. I like the longevity that we get Burger for. Um, I could see, given that, like, for instance, you have Garrett Cooper... Um, and then Guriel, who I guess Guriel only has one year, right? Yes. Okay, oh, so so like, why not twenty twenty four plus make Berger your first baseman? Um, and then I guess Segura stays at third till till Miami decides they're done. But on the other end, what I'm nervous about moving forward, if we're talking potential postseason. Um, and honestly, like, there's even some questions just regarding 2024 and on, like, with some of the pitchers we have, like, I have it written down here, Rogers isn't even throwing, we have no idea what's going on with him, Eddie can't throw strikes, Cueto, we don't trust, um, and then you got Brax, uh, nobody believes he can go past six innings, is, is great sometimes, and then he's... And other times, and then Sandy's just not the same until he wants to turn it on. And so for me, there's there's almost more of a priority right now with with our pitching. Give it that like I'm watching every game saying to myself, I wonder if our starter is even going to go six. Um, and so that's kind of what my thoughts are. I, I like the trade, but these are also some of my concerns. And, and I kind of feel like if we don't, get a picture by the end of this, I kind of feel like it's it's a little bit of a failure on our part. I'm not going to say it's the end of the world, but, it, you know, that's, that's definitely something that we need. 100%. Yeah, I had to co-sign the last point about the getting a picture. Like, that to me was – it's really difficult to imagine getting through these – well, especially these next couple weeks without a – some sort of innings eater of some kind. The back end of that rotation is just really shaky at the moment. Um, thankfully, it'll be interesting to see what Yuri looks like tonight. He's making his second start since being sent down to the minors. He looked pretty good in the first one in a limited sample. Uh, but of course, that is after the deadline passes, unfortunately. If that happens like the day before or a few hours before, and you had like full, full confidence that that guy is going to be a starter for you within the next couple of weeks, then you're like, hey, maybe we could cobble together with our bullpen when needed the in between then when he rejoins. Um, it's a, it's a, yeah, I understand like the push and pull with them because they just gave up one of their better prospects, even though I, for what I mentioned about Eater and some of the concerns about that, um, now they, <laughs> it's going to be really shaky. Um, I don't know how many chips they have left to use now to get that last pitcher or to get whatever they want. We had somebody with a comment about getting Elias Diaz or any catcher. Like they're, they're really thin on trade chips at the moment. 
let me let me ask you guys this question because I'm I'm curious. Let's say an hour goes by, right, and nothing happens on the pitching front. What what do we do at this point? You you have to have a lot of faith in in Cueto, and I suppose that means that Edward, you know, for the moment, just to make it clear with everybody, the rotation is Sandy and Braxton, Lazardo, Cueto, and Edward for this exact moment. And it's not – there is a, a universe where that is an above-average rotation down the stretch, but there also is a universe where only three of those guys are starters, only two of them. If somebody like Garrett gets really tired uh, pitching innings that he's never pitched before in a season, um, it's there is a scenario where that works out. Um, and, again, with, with Yuri being not that far away, and even you look down in AAA – with Daniel Castano making his first start in a while, looking pretty good, even though it was only four innings. Um, I, I can't imagine them like picking somebody off the scrap heap in free agency. I, I don't think they would go. I don't think there's anybody there that's like an incremental improvement over what they got. Um, yeah. it, it, it's send down. Well, maybe not send down, but you um, you definitely got to get Patrick Monteverde in the rotation. Like, you have to get that guy into the rotation. That guy's been good at every level that he's pitched at. The left-handed arm, you get him in the rotation. Whether that means putting Cueto in the bullpen or Edward in the bullpen, I don't care. You get that guy in the rotation if he's still here after the deadline. Yeah. Quick quick minor league trade. Our old friend Alex Jackson is going to the Tampa Bay Rays for right-handed pitcher Evan McKendry. All right, we can move on now. Wow. Thanks, Kevin. I know. No, no one was groundbreaking. That guy's going to become a stud now with the Rays. All right, you could go, Gable. Continue. Anyways, no, I'm I'm good. Those are just my thoughts. Um, I like the trade overall. Um, I felt like it was a little bit under the radar. I didn't expect. I didn't expect that guy um, now to be a Marlin. Um, I do. I am a little bit sad that we gave up uh, Jake Eater because I really like that guy like a lot. Um, but you know it is what it is. It's baseball, and it's part of it, and and it is what it is. So thank you guys for having me. All righty, thank you so much, Gabriel. We are now going on to another super subscriber, LMF Loud Marlins man. Chase, what's up? Thoughts on the Good. trade, and if you want to add on to anything else. Good, happy day, everyone listening, and thanks for giving me this opportunity. FOF team, go super subscribe right now to anyone listening, and you'll get a chance of winning a signed card soon. Smiley face. Um, anyway, uh, that's for me, not them. Um, just wanted to point a couple things out. You know, you, there's a lot of always complaints on Twitter about how at the end of the games, you're not trusting the guys who are up to get the big hit to end the game. You just got a guy who has the ability to change the game with one swing. That's the type of guy you want in, when the, the, there's a guy or two on base or you need a run to tie it. You want him up because he's he has the power to do so. You don't need the single and then hope you get to Solaire. You don't need the double to hope you get to uh, Luis Arise to hit the single at the end of the game. You have now gotten a guy on your team for the next five years who has that power to change the game with one swing. And the Marlins got that for you by giving up a prospect. I don't. Uh, I, I give it credit to the guys who follow the minors, I give credit to Alex, Kevin, you guys really dig deep into uh, the minor league guys and give great assessment of what they could be or can be. 
last year, we, we were all excited to have Max Meyer up. We, 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 for weeks, there were things on, on Twitter about, we need to get him up now. We need to get him up now. He came up and got injured, and now he's going to miss a, a season and a half, up to a season and a half. That could happen at any time to a pitcher. Happens to the best of them. Look at Jacob DeGrom over at uh, Texas. They signed him to this massive contract. He gets injured. Texas has surely made up for it and what they did on moves. But, you know, pitchers get injured, players get injured, and you just got a guy for a player that did just get injured who's rehabbing still, let's say, uh, and he's your number four prospect, but you got to give and get. I like the trade. I like what it does to set our franchise up for success in the next couple of years. We have a guy who hits for power now, a guy who will excite the crowd. You always say, oh, we don't have that player who's going to excite us. Now you have the opportunity for a guy with a huge ceiling. I have a friend. I posted and tweeted this at you guys. He's a huge White Sox fan, huge White Sox fan. He, I asked him. He asked me about Eater. I don't know enough to really give him anything, but I heard he's really good. But he, he's watched Berger, and he's pretty clutch, and he doesn't play enough to really get a feel for it, and now he will. So great move, Marlins. Great move. we got to wish them all with success with the back-end bullpen work that they already got. Uh, that's great for us as well. Yes, I liked what the caller before, or caller, the guy before me was talking about uh, needing pitching. Well, you hope Sandy uh, has returned to form. So you know once every five games, you'll get the long guy in there for at least seven innings. Lazardo is just a we haven't even really seen how amazing he could be, and he's amazing. Uh, Edward Cabrera, he's the iffy guy right now. But I'd like to see Monteverdi from what you guys talk about him up here. So that's all I got to say. Uh, let's be positive. We could pit, nitpick negative out of anything and everything. The Marlins made a move. We were waiting all day for it. <laughs> I was about to put a noose over myself, my, my uh, neck, and start lifting myself up. No, um, just be positive, guys. Let's go Marlins, and let's make this playoff push fun. I hope to see you out at Lone Depot Park. Cheers. All righty. Thank you, LMF. Real quick on a point, uh, Kevin, that, that LMF made, which I think is a good one. Uh, you're right, uh, LMF, that they got a guy that is going to uh, be around for a bit, uh, I believe. Um, but they did give up uh, a guy that, um, again, you called out Max Meyer, and I called it out at the beginning. This guy, I think, is, is better than Meyer. Uh, I, I really think um, I really think Eater is better than Meyer. Um, he has more of a uh, chance to stick as a starting pitcher. Uh, he's a lefty. That's there as well, right? Um, Meyer has the velo edge, but I think Eater has the overall stuff edge over Max Meyer, right? So um, there's size, there's stuff, there's velo that's improving. Um, he gets the TJ out of the out of the way early, like you said. This is something that the best go through, like you just said. Uh, so he gets that out of the way early in his career. Now he's folded me down to come back. As long as that arm stays healthy, man, the White Sox got a good guy. And um, it's a guy that can contribute pretty quickly. So, yeah, like I, like we said before, it's it's long-term uh, it's long-term projection versus right-now production is, is the overarching theme of this trade. And uh, I think it's mutually beneficial. But um, the Marlins did lose a, a big piece of their farm system today. Yeah, and so before we go to our next um, speaker, I do want to say I, I think we're going to go just until after the 6 p.m. deadline. Obviously, Miami still has a game to play at 6.40. I think, obviously, usually after, there's a couple of trades that still trickle in after the 6 p.m. deadline. So 
we will go until probably 610, Eli. You think that's a good time to stop it? Or? I, I'd probably, I'll keep it going. If, even if you don't want to, I'll keep it going a little longer. Close, okay. Yeah, closer okay. closer to 630 because there's some news that does right. get broken at like 610 and then we need to All process right. it. Yeah. You're right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, that's good. Didn't we get the Peyton Henry one like really late? Wasn't that like a trade we got like the news of really late? I, I seem to remember that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyways, you're right. Trades get announced a little late that get like finalized at the last second. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have Mike um, Cabrera. I believe he's also a super subscriber. I don't think so, but he, he's a friend of the program. He's been okay. he's been following our stuff for years. We're doing great. We are doing good. I'm just a little perplexed at the moment, man. I'm not a big fan of the deal per se, and I'll just make it brief for you guys. Um, in this particular aspect, normally we save our one, two, three prospects for top end guys, you know, like a star, which is what this team is really missing. And if you want a comp for a burger, I'll give you one. It's Solaire. Big time power. Actually, Solaire has a little bit more hit tool than Berger, per se, at this particular, but both are on the negative side defensively. So that would be my comprehend. My problem is, with this organization at the moment in time, is that their philosophy, they go from one philosophy to the next. In the beginning of the year, they stated that they wanted to go high contact, low K rate, and they wasted their fourth overall prospect for a guy that has huge K rate and huge power, but low contact. So there is no continuity in a philosophy or a way of thinking. That's just my point of view on that particular side. I think what happened with Chicago is that they aimed high with Robert. They said no. They went down to Eloy. They said no. And then they just fell back onto Berger, my opinion at that rate. The starting pitching side, I think the biggest thing that they should try to get is honestly is to work out a deal for Flaherty. I think he has much higher potential than anybody else out there. Lorenzen, I like, no, no problem, but he's having his best season. Flaherty's on the downside, but I think in Mel we trust. That guy will fix anybody. Look what he's done for Luzardo, et cetera. So those are points of views that I see. I'm not a real big fan of it. I could be wrong with Berger. He's young. He's 27. That's great. But I'd rather have a guy that hits 270 with 15 home runs than a guy that's hitting – barely over the Mendoza line with 25. We have a couple of those guys on the team already, and they're not sufficient. This team needs offense from the get-go. You have guys that get on, and we can't drive them in. We can't drive them in because those guys have 26, 27-plus percent K rate. This guy has a 30, if I'm not mistaken, 30, 31. So is it a good move? It's a move. But it's not the one that's going to help you beat Atlanta. It's not a one that's going to help you beat a Phillies team that is going to be healthy going into a postseason that's right now is ahead of us. So these are just my points. Thanks, you guys, for listening, man. I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet and listen up. I mean, I, I don't quite agree with the Soler comp. Soler this season is striking out under the league average. He's walking at a 10% rate, which isn't new, and he's getting on base a lot more than Berger. Obviously, he still has the power, but I don't agree much with that comp. I, I don't. Uh, obviously, I do agree with the, the fact that he has the better hit tool. And obviously, more bats to ball for, from, from Soler than Berger. And that, that's really where I stand. I do think that Miami, obviously, you know, Kim said it in the, the pressure that they that they wanted guys who would put the ball in play. And, and yeah, in, in a sense, I do agree. But, man, you really needed a power hitter. That was that was known, aside from Soler, who's probably gone next year, depending how, you know, obviously the rest of this 
season goes for him. He could obviously still come back in, but in, in, um, go taking this player option for nine mil. But man, you're getting a guy, Jake Berger, who's a power hitter, middle of the, middle of the order, and that's that's very necessary for this team. Who aside from Solar does not have a clear power hitter. Look who they supplement. What's up? Sorry, man. I uh, just wanted to say something. Do you think they supplement Burger with Solaire since they, he probably won't uh, uh, sign with us just in case? That's a good question. If Solaire continues to kind of not play as you know as he was playing in his first half, self, I don't know. I don't. He, still, he has the choice to come back or not. I, I think that that'll be an interesting question for uh, Skip before the game. Personally, uh, I think that the best option would be to uh, have Burger be the full time third baseman until. Uh, Garrett Cooper or Yuli Gurriel need a break, which will be once or twice a week, and then Berger will move over to first, and then that'll be when Gene gets his reps in at third base. I did want to say one thing. I do agree with you, Mike, about um, uh, Kim's philosophy to get contact-heavy hitters rather than power hitters, and that now it seems like she's changing the philosophy. I will say one thing to play devil's advocate is that philosophy has worked in that they are near the top of the league in team batting average. And I think that what Kim saw was this is a team that's getting hits. They're getting guys on base, but they're just missing the one big hit every game. And so I think that this is her move of saying, you know what? This guy's going to strike out a lot, but he's also once in a while going to deliver us uh, the, the big hit that we've been missing. And if we need to take that along with the strikeouts, uh, then so be it. A couple of moves that just went down. Jack Flaherty's making his way to Baltimore. Um, former NL East player Tommy Pham going over to the Diamondbacks. Uh, so really the only pitcher on the market left is Eduardo Rodriguez. And the Dodgers are now talking to the Red Sox about James Paxton. So that's another player, I guess, now on the market there. So um, obviously Flaherty was a guy who would have been a nice fit in Miami. He now goes to a team that Really, really need some starting pitching. Although their rotation's actually been able to hold it down, but you know, adding that, adding another legit pitcher there is, is what they needed. Um, there yeah. is a possibility that Dylan Cease could be traded in the next ten minutes. Is the last another report? But nah, I, 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 that. that'd be the dream. That'd be the dream. But I cannot imagine the Marlins having the assets to afford Cease. That would be wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Flaherty kind of seems like the realistic best case scenario that was left in terms of starting pitching. So this is a little deflating. But it, it, yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez is still out there, but that's it's a big risk for a team like the Marlins that if something goes wrong the rest of his season and he doesn't opt out of his contract, then you're stuck with almost fifty million for the next three years uh, on a guy when you're a team that just doesn't feel they should be paying for starting pitching moving forward. Um, that's it's a big risk and. Uh, I have a hard time seeing them come to terms on, on that one. Um, but maybe if there's really nowhere else for the Tigers to send him, then maybe they do come up with a creative proposal there that um, something that makes that like mitigates that risk. If something goes wrong the rest of the year with him. So that, that'd be another, that'd be uh, of the limited options. And the fact that this is still like such a big, to me, this is still such an important area to address that rotation um, I guess you got to be open to anything that is still out there, but definitely the, the Flaherty news is a bummer. Yeah. All right. So we have, I believe a recently super subscriber Sharif. Yes. So what's up, man? And your thoughts on the trade. And if you want to add anything else. 
Good evening, guys. Um, yeah, man, I'm just hanging out here, um, you know, waiting for the who's going to make the deal or who's not. And um, once again, appreciate you guys uh, breaking all of that stuff down for us all season long, all of you. Um, and I'm just hanging out, man, before the game. <laughs> Your thoughts on the, on the burger trade, if you want to mention them. Well, I'm sorry. I just just got in, so I didn't know what went down in the last hour. What, what did go down? So Miami acquired Jake Berger from the Chicago White Sox in exchange for Jake Eater. In exchange for Jay? Jake Eater. Okay, is that a prospect we got? That's the prospect we traded. And Berger, is he in, in the majors, or is he a prospect as well? He's in the majors. Cool beans. All right. Yeah, let's let Kalen speak on this. He's, he's been requesting for a while as well. Hello, guys. Um, I mean, today's been up and down, I guess, emotionally. Not emotionally, unless you're that. I mean, I'm emotionally evolved, I will say that. But <clears throat> I will say... I think a lot of people are being really pessimistic on this trade. I mean, I love Jake Eater. Great player. I mean, 6'4 <clears throat> lefty. He's got stuff. I've heard that recently control issues, I guess. But um, what I really think people are starting to miss the idea on is uh, Jake Berger also is a plus speed guy. Um, he's a plus speed guy who uh, makes, good con- well, makes good contact when he does and smokes the ball um 25 home runs um we've got a good roster of contact hitters and i don't think that we're escaping a philosophy by getting a impact bat in the middle of the lineup that when you see the production from segura and you see what we have replaced them with with at least something that's impactful as impactful as 25 home run runs plus um you see a, a, a a big difference really in an offense um gene segura has double how many double plays does he have this year um, I, I don't know the stats on Jake Berger and double plays hit into or anything like that, but it sounds like um, he hits the ball hard and he, he hits a hot. He's not going to ground out into a bunch of double plays. So um, I think it's pretty important to just uh, – I, I get the philosophy of, of um, on-base on contact guys, um, which is very important, but I feel like we are we, – we have a ton of those those type of guys we, we – we need more power coming out of uh, certain positions. Third base is uh, a typical power position. First base, obviously, too, which I think this move can um, mean one of our first basemen are either out or we are preparing for next year to move him over to first base, which would make sense. But um, I think I, I think it was a really good move, um, especially with our pitching um, line. We we just drafted Noble who uh, looks to be really good. I think we, we develop pitchers really well. I also uh, adopt the idea that there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Sounds a little odd, but, I mean, pitcher, pitchers can come from anywhere. I mean, um, you can get a pitcher anywhere, everywhere, a, a great pitcher anywhere, everywhere um, with development. So I think that, um, especially with the Marlins, uh, it's okay to um, ship off one of our Unfortunately, a better pitching prospects, but um, for control and a guy who hits for um, power, uh, when he does make contact, he smokes the ball. Um, and he's a plus speed guy. I mean, I think that's one thing that's also very important is 
uh, he, I mean, he's a, he's a cool, he's a cool player once he gets the, the defense set up and, uh, I hopefully can, um, or remove him over the first next year. I think that he can be, uh, a, a big, a big, a big piece, um, truthfully. So, uh, that's basically what I gotta say. Um, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I, I hope you make a trade for a starting pitcher soon, but I guess, uh, time will tell. Yeah. You were the first one to mention that about Berger's speed. I had, not I disregarded that that he is 71st percentile in sprint speed way above league average even though he doesn't use it as a base stealer only one stolen base you dive into it a little bit further in terms of extra bases taken this year um he's a really high rate of going from first to third on singles from going to first to home on doubles um that is that is helpful. And honestly, I don't think that's much of a drop off at all in that category compared to, for example, Segura, if he's playing in front of, instead of Segura, a lot of, a lot of aspects. Yeah. So not a base stealer, but an adequate base runner. I'll just like cross reference this with a, a fan graphs base running stat as well, as we are seconds away now from the deadline passing, but a reminder, there will be news breaking even after the deadline passes, even on, by base running runs on fan graphs. He is comfortably above average as a base runner. So I would not have expected that. That is a, um, that should, we shouldn't, I think it's fair to say that he's more than just a one tool player. Um, all things considered, even though, um, that one tool is what the Marlins need most in the power. And, uh, there is certainly some risk here that we'll continue to acknowledge because he needs to put his bat on the ball in the first place in order to hit those home runs. But that being said, there are um, some other ancillary benefits to this player. Absolutely. Um, I have one last point. Um, it it kind of reminds me, uh, obviously not a direct comparison, but um, we saw um, Jose Siri get traded to Tampa last year. I think it was at the deadline. Um, and, I mean, I'm not trying to compare him to, to Jake Berger, really, um, tit for tat, but I'm trying to say they got a player who wasn't very contact-oriented, was a speed-plus-defense guy, correct? So um, here we're not maybe getting the defense, uh, not even close to defense that Jose Siri um, has, but we're getting a plus beat plus um, bad guy who, I mean, a hot, we, we've seen Gene Segura, a second base, and be able to move over and play, I would say, pretty comfortably at, at third base um, um, beyond a couple of mistakes made. But um, I really, really think that people are overthinking the uh, – defense of um the strikeout i think we I, and we've also seen this year we've seen a lot of our coaching affect the way our hitters are playing last year's jorge soler and this year's jorge soler are i mean nine day which could be argued uh contract whatnot but i think that's throughout our lineup you've seen all of our hitters i think we we can all agree that last year's marlins base uh hitting has completely taken a flip and um i i think that uh, Jake Berger with with a little bit of work. That's those types of things aren't tough to work on, especially for a guy who's torn his Achilles two times, which is very rare in sports for athletes to come back from that in any aspect. Um, um, a guy who's worked his was, has worked his tail off. Um, I, I just I honestly think that um, long term this is a great move. Um, I, I really am excited. I, I think that I think Jake Berger is a stand up guy, stand up player. Um, with a few a few um, things that can be fixed, I, truthfully, I think that these things aren't um, detrimental to a ball player. So, not quickly with the so, so deadline past six p.m. Obviously, we'll be here until around six thirty when see what other deals go through. So, the big one is Dylan Cease is not being dealt, um, and 
For the Phillies, we have Bailey Falter going to Pittsburgh for infielder Rodolfo Castro, and Kenyon Middleton is making his way over to the Yankees. So those are the other trades that have gone through for now. Obviously, still time to see what eventually this Eduardo Rodriguez thing does end up being. So those were the deals done. Uh, we are going to wait to see if Miami does end up making another one. I don't think that'll be the case, but we'll see. And we'll let the next uh, speaker in. Yeah, we, we've had this Ariana Grande fan account requesting for a while. I suspect that might be spam, but <laughs> maybe it's a random Marlins fan that just happens to be Ariana Grande. All right, here we go. But if not, then I'll have to go to the next person pretty quickly after that. This is going to be either very funny or very bad. Is it connecting for you, Eli, or still? It's still processing the connecting. Okay, okay. Fun. Now, let's go to, let's go to Eric. Dope. What's on your mind, Eric? Hey, guys, how's it going? Okay. Assuming this is oh. the last move the Marlins make and all goes well, all goes well throughout the rest of the regular season. They do make a wild card series. Healthy lineup. What does that look like? And who kind of gets the short and the stick and does not make that that lineup? And do they have what it takes to win two of three in a wild card series? I mean, when you make it to the playoffs, you never know. It's, it's a fair game for everyone, unless you're facing the Dodgers if you're the Marlins. But you have to feel pretty good where you're at with the team right now. I mean, obviously, you added a big bat in Diori. You added two lockdown relievers, especially David Robertson. Um, that's a big one there. Um, and obviously, I would say that they still needed a starting pitcher. I mean, we don't know what trades have gone down yet. Obviously, those are going to trickle in. Maybe Miami didn't make one more. I don't think that'll be the case, though. But aside from that, you have to feel pretty good where you're at. Obviously, love Yuri coming back soon. He'll probably give you a couple of good innings and I like where Miami's at right now. Uh, they're in a good spot. Obviously, now they have to fight with the Phillies in this series to take at least the next three or split to kind of stay afloat in the playoff hunt. And and yeah, yeah. When you have you two, Eli, or, yeah. One thing we've mentioned about um, in terms of the lineup outlook, uh, the one like chair that what's the word I'm looking for? You won. Um, thing that has, has that hasn't dropped yet that we're waiting for is kind of what hitter is going to get squeezed off this active roster uh like signs pointing to that it will have to be one of the veterans so i don't know whether it's going to be segura or whether it's going to be cooper or whether it's going to be something outside the box that we're not thinking of but um yeah that's the key question at the moment before we look too far ahead is like getting a clearer idea of whether which of those guys burger is taking playing time from and then uh playing it out yeah, though there's still there's still a lot of questions with this team. So acknowledging that the there could still be trades leaking out in these next few minutes, it does seem like the outfield is probably staying the same, and that's an outfield that is leaning a lot on Avi Garcia, who we've barely seen play baseball this year, and who has played poor baseball the last two years combined. It's leaning and um, having guys that are streaky on in that outfield as well, such as Jesus Sanchez. And with Jazz, they're leaning so much on Jazz simply staying healthy and being himself, even though he has not been healthy this year and he hasn't been 100% of himself um, to this point. So uh, there's there's a lot of questions on that side and the fact that still at shortstop, Berger is not going to help you at shortstop whatsoever. So that they're going to be leaning pretty heavily on John Birdie there. Birdie has been playing so well recently, 
and he'll probably have to continue playing quite a bit for this team going forward. They didn't address at this particular moment. They did not address the catcher position, and that's one where they're getting really poor production overall. Anyway, you slice it as we're getting word now from Ken Rosenthal that Edward Eduardo Rodriguez was not traded. Yep. So now he'll probably end up opting out and they'll get their draft pick if, if whenever he ends up signing somewhere else. The reasoning for vetoing the trade to L.A. was he wanted to stay on the East Coast and um, be close to his family. So East Coast, Miami, the offseason, we'll see. You never know. Yeah. So, yeah. So there, this is still – there are a lot of questions about this team, including now that we're running out of potential rotation reinforcements that – could actually have been obtained before the deadline at this point. By process of elimination, we're really running short. I haven't seen Mike Clevenger go anywhere. Um, that, that was a guy that I was not I was not happy about that possibility, but he seemed like a logical candidate that would be available relatively cheaply and has pretty high upside. And he's on the white side. You would think that he would have been bundled together in this trade if he was coming. So without him, and unless they're getting you know, somebody we're not really thinking of, maybe Jose Quintana, if the Mets, they go back to the Mets, seeming to have a good relationship with him, depending on how that money works out and how much the Mets are willing to throw in. Um, it's really hard to think of anything else that they're doing on the pitching side. And um, even though I think the bullpen is in good shape, um, I'm really worried about the rotation. And it's going to be hard to be comfortable about this team unless there is a starter coming in at the last possible moment. I think Maddox is in here. Is he? It's connecting for me. Hmm. Let's try another one. I think we got Maddox on now. Okay, sounds good. Oh, we did. We did get someone else on. So I'm gonna show, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention the one I, I have on here, which is the Dino Sir. So I will let you speak about the Marlins and anything about them at this point. Hello, everyone. Um, first time on here. One thing that uh, I just well, actually, two things I wanted to talk about with the addition of Burger on the team. Something that I was thinking about once we acquired him. And once we acquire a lot of uh, power hitters like him, uh, how does he profile in a in a park like Lone Depot Park? I don't know exactly how much bigger uh, the White Sox stadium is guaranteed right field is with a compared comparison to Lone Depot. Like, is he is it something where if you get a power hitter from the Yankees, they're not going to do as well in Miami because the stadium is much bigger? I don't know how much bigger, smaller uh, that park is compared to us. You know. No. From what I pulled, like Berger is a particular type of guy that I think he kind of overrides some of those concerns you have. If you just look at the home runs that he has hit this year, almost all of them, I think 24 out of 25 would have been out hey, at Lone Depot. Josh Bell to the Miami Marlins for Craig Mish. Wow. Miami has solved their first base issue, kind of. He's not like, he hasn't been that good this year. And Josh Bell is heading to the, to the Miami Marlins. And you're sure that's not a fake account? You're totally sure yeah, that's... I, I, have, I have notifications on my phone. 
Nations on for Craig, and that's the one that came up for me. Okay, okay. Wow. Yeah, it, it is Craig. First baseman Josh Bell is going to come to Miami. And it's funny. I was talking wow. about this today with, with one of my buddies, and I said, man, it wouldn't surprise me if Josh Bell came to Miami just given how much the first baseman they're looking for. And, what? And there it is. Oh man, I guess we can go through this together. But another power guy? Wow, this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> so this is one where the signs are pointing to Josh Bell being available because of the trade that the Guardians just made to get Kyle Manzardo, and for the fact that they already have Josh Naylor performing so well. Um, this is this is a fascinating one with Bell because he's having a disappointing year, um, but his upside is pretty immense, and the Marlins have seen that close up because of all his time in the National League and even at the time when he was with the Nationals, but especially when he was with the Pirates early in his career. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Gene Segura, Gene Segura and Khalil Watson go to Cleveland. What? Interesting. That is for per Jeff Passon. Holy shit. That is that's a fun one because what I was gonna say about Bell is he's having a bad year. That contract is underwater, and so the Marlins get by that by sending a different underwater contract and also attaching another one of their best prospects. And naturally, that's what had to happen. Uh, where you can't have all those first basemen on the roster at the same time. So Cooper going to the Padres as well. Wow. What did Ken Rosenthal tweet? <laughs> Marlins acquired Josh Bell from Padres for Garrett Cooper. I think he got the teams mixed up. He got the teams mixed up. What? Oh, all right, Craig just put it. Marlins traded Cooper. Okay. Okay. And now a note. A note. The Jake Berger trade is now officially official uh, per the Marlins announcement. This one, we're still waiting on the announcement. This is just the reports of it. Um, my first glance is I I love it. I love the um, I love the Bell part of it with Segura, um, and I know Carver. Well, he gets a Carver in a moment. Carver's been saying for a while that uh, Segura's cook. I can, I can, yeah, I can play the, the. Hold on a second. Let me play the soundbite one last time for uh, Segura. Now that that one is uh, is oh in the God. mix. Hold on, just one moment to see if I can find that one. Here it is. He cannot play. He's absolutely cooked. Done. His career is over. Okay. Ryan Weather. Eli, 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 you're going to cry. Sean Reynolds is going to the Padres. Sean, why? Why? Why is Sean Reynolds going to the Padres? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. For, for Ryan Weathers. All right, they get, a, they get a pitcher. That's, oh, so that's their answer. That's their innings eater, Ryan Weathers. Man, that's a, so that's a young, we got to break these down one at a time. Okay, let's finish our thoughts on Bell and Watson and Segura. So anything we want to add on that, Kevin, or or our speakers? Any, any of you guys got thoughts on that one first? Wow. I mean, Josh Bell, I believe he's under contract for another year, if I'm correct. Yeah, two years, $33 million. I guess this they had interest in him back in the offseason. Keep that in mind. They were in a hit. They weren't able to get him. Cleveland got him. And now um, Josh Bell is a Miami Marlin after uh, trading Gene Segura, who they signed in the offseason, and... 2020, 2020 first rounder, I believe, Khalil Watson. So, no, not 2020, 2021. I lied. And I mean, we'll talk about Gary Cooper later. I saw that one coming. Right as day. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they were, obviously, if Bell is here, then it's Cooper going the other way, as we said before. Um, man, I, uh, this is a, this is a tough one. Uh, the Bell one is a tough one for me. Um, it's a guy that's, um, 
not having a great season. What does his control look like? Also, probably not that great. He's 30 years old. Switch hitter with 233 with 11 home runs. He's known as a power first guy. Hasn't struck out too, too terribly much this year. Actually, his strikeout to watch rate actually looks pretty good. Still only has a 318 on base percentage. Uh, man, I don't know about this one. Um, I, I don't know about losing the best offensive talent in, in your system for, for this player. And then you throw in Garrett Cooper as well. I think this is an overpay by the Marlins. I, I really don't like this. This is a trade I don't like. Um, for for a defensively limited first baseman who is not having a good season with little control, I don't like this one. I mean, but think about it like this, Alex. I mean, you say best offensive prospect, but it, it it's not it doesn't mean much. This system isn't that good. So well, now it's a lot worse, right? And <laughs> no, no, now so now this is there's a whole lot of ramifications here in addition to the trades like this. Acquiring Bell like this, um, I think it speaks to their uh, lack of confidence in Solaire returning because they are walking into a lot of money here. Bell almost certainly can exercise his player option for next year at $16.5 million, which right. is more money than the Marlins have paid an individual player for a single season s- ever? Ever? I don't know if they Eli, why, not to interrupt you, why wouldn't he exercise that player option, especially after the season that he's having, when you can make that kind of money? He almost certainly will exercise that player option. Right. Now, it should be noted on Bell, this has been a replacement-level year for him. For that money, that's obviously disappointing. He has been better as the season has gone on a little bit. I, you know what? I take that back. He's kind of been consistently just at that replacement level, where I think it was bad at the very beginning, um, but yeah, the power hasn't been there uh, for him. And this, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not having a great year. It's also acknowledging now with the, I think they're acquiring him, not necessarily counting on him to be an everyday player, but is he any worse than Cooper? You look across the board as this morning as Bell season has been, is it that much of a downgrade compared to Cooper, who we've had all our, our complaints about as well. His strikeout rate much higher than it's been. His defense, not great. And um, in general, like this, I think it's a very comparable talent in terms of what they give up and what they're sending away in Cooper and what they're bringing back in Bell. Uh, they're getting, they're moving Segura out of the way and makes room for Berger. And then the prospects involved in this, Sean Reynolds, he's a personal favorite of mine. He, but he is just a reliever. He's a reliever who is not quite, he, he, I don't, you're not going to trust him down the stretch of this season. I don't think he was going to be a contributor for the rest of this year. Um, uh, I, he does have some value, of course. Uh, and then with Watson, Watson is going to be the big polarizing one here, considering that he was their first round pick just two years ago. Just coming back, the timing is fascinating because Watson was just had a minor injury. He's been out the last few weeks. He just got done with the rehab assignment. He just got put back on the Beloit roster a couple hours ago. He was in their lineup that was announced a few hours ago after not playing at the high level for several weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, they are selling pretty low on Khalil. They are. Um, so, but at this, but you need to be realistic um, with your, me personally, I, I was a little lower on Khalil than you were Carver at this stage of it. It is a, still a significant piece and um, it is still one of the better prospects that they had in their system. That says more about the lack of talent in the system though, at the time than it does uh, about anything else uh, really. So I still need a little longer to process this because also Ryan Weathers, that's the final guy I should touch on. Man, not that good. man. I was looking at the stats. Weathers, not that good. Weathers is a guy that 
He made it to the big leagues super quickly. Isn't he the son of David Weathers? Big league? Yeah, he is the son of David Weathers, a former Marlin. Yes, he is. He's been around a while now, and he's still only 23 because of how quickly they brought him in the majors. But he has not performed in majors at all, including this year. You know, it's a 6 ERA, a 6 FIP as well, where he doesn't keep balls in the ballpark. He doesn't miss as many bats um, as you'd like either. He, um, I'm curious what they see. I, now, there are some, if you squint, aren't there some similarities between Ryan Weathers and 2021 Jesus Lazardo? I think there are some similarities there in terms of the ability that these guys have, the prospect pedigree that they used to have, um, and the reality that you can make subtle differences, subtle tweaks in what they do and get them a lot better. With Lazardo, they did not get him a lot better immediately. That took an entire offseason to really process those changes. For a team that needs rotation help now, Weathers, I, you cannot count on him to pr- improve your rotation outlook right now. He is a body that's available. As much as I like Sean Reynolds, he was taking up 40-man, precious 40-man roster space, and instead you swap out a reliever for a guy that is the least capable of going two times through an order and in some cases, three times through an order, there is some value to that, to it, like actually using your 40-man space on guys that can eat those endings. Um, yeah, so my first impression is that I, I kind of like this stuff as well. Um, the Bell trade is ugly, uh, but then again, what you're sending back, uh, a big piece of that is ugly as well in, in Segura, who uh, I just did not have a whole lot of faith in, in really being a, a good player moving forward. With this team. So, yeah, we're still processing this. Um, unhappy about the quality of the starting pitching help that they're getting, but at least they did something there. Um, yeah, my, my, my first, my snap reaction of this entire deadline is pretty positive for the Marlins, all things considered. Agreed. Yeah, uh, I think it is positive. Sorry, Kev. I think it is positive overall. I, I would agree. What I would say for your boy, Sean Reynolds, a uh, friend of all of ours, was he's a great guy. It's tough to see him go out of the organization before making his big league debut because he was called up to do it, but they didn't put him in the game. So, yeah, it's tough to see this guy go. It's a big, tall guy. He throws over 100 um, with a couple of decent breakers. Um, the good thing for him that I would say in terms of his personal situation, he's from Redondo Beach, California, and now he goes to the San Diego Padres. That's going to allow his family to be around him a lot more. It's going to allow his family to watch him pitch and grow up in Major League Baseball a lot more, which is definitely a plus for that guy. Uh, wish him the best because, he, man, he was really cool with us. Uh, I know, Eli, you like him as well. We, I think we've all talked to him in some capacity over the course of the last few years. I know Kevin did it at FanFest. We had him on the podcast. You had him on your podcast. Super cool guy. Uh, with Weathers, I would agree. Uh, it's not a uh, top-end arm whatsoever, but still very young. Um, so there's still time for this guy to improve, and I guess things come full circle in this capacity as well for the Weathers family because, as Eli said, his father was a former Marlins pitcher and also a back end rotational talent. So uh, yeah, you kind of see it. You kind of see it permeating with these guys. I, I trust Mel to do what he can with with Ryan uh, and see what he can become, especially at age 23, like Eli said. So I think this is decent. Uh, and then Segura, I, you Sorry. don't lose much. You, you don't you don't lose that much in Gene Segura. You, you guys know that I. I think that apparently he was a very good clubhouse presence. So I guess that's the main significant loss here is that he was good in the clubhouse on the field. You lose slightly, maybe, maybe slightly over replacement level defense with a dead bat. So um, yeah, they don't lose much in, in Gene Segura there either. So um, again, they, they trade a little bit from the big league team, as you can see here with Cooper and Segura. 
Um, but they trade mostly from prospects capital. Um, man, uh, this, this system is going to look a lot worse after today. I will say that with Eater gone and Khalil gone and Reynolds even gone, like this system is going to look a lot worse. And I, what I would say, honestly, to all of you guys in losing probably uh, one of their best pitch or definitely one of, one of their best pitching prospects, if not the best pitching prospect uh, since Yuri has graduated, it, you know, it probably could be argued that he is the best pitching prospect over Noble Meyer. Um, I know a couple people had him there in Eater. Um, and then you also lose, I think, definitely your most projectable offensive talent on the offensive side of the baseball. That's Khalil, who, just as Eli said, was back today in the Beloit lineup. That's not going to be a thing. He's probably on his way over to uh, to his new team. So, uh, man, the system's going to look a lot worse today. And I think they're going to be probably in the bottom 10 overall in terms of prospect talent. So it's going to kind of... Uh, Switch up my reporting and Kevin's reporting on the system, but uh, we'll continue yeah. to be there. Uh, but yeah, this this minor league system got a lot worse today for good reason. But this minor league system got a lot worse today. Quickly to mention, uh, we should be expecting a lot of roster moves. Garrett Cooper and Gene Segura were both in the lineup tonight. Garrett Cooper was the DH. Gene Segura, I believe, was hitting eighth and playing third. So obviously, we will be expecting some shake up there. Uh, Andrew Nardi was expected to be activated today, so we're we're going to see a lot of movement, not only today, but tomorrow as well, and I, I would expect to see all of these guys here tomorrow in Miami, so, uh, and Isaac is now requesting, and I think we could wrap it up right, right after he speaks, unless you want to keep it going, Eli, but I don't think Miami will be making much more. Yeah, 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 go ahead, Isaac. Isaac? Yeah, I don't know if you guys went over the new lineup already, but yes, Cooper and Segura are both out to be removed. It's Arise, Soler, DLC, Avi Garcia, Jesus Sanchez now in the lineup in center field, Birdie, Six, Yuli Gurriel, Joey Wendell's now at shortstop. At short, uh, at short obviously, batting eighth, and Jacob Stallings is still catching standing. Your thoughts on the trade, both of them? Well, this, um, this farm system, like Alex Carver said, I think Carver was the highest of all of us on Kalil Watson, but. And for Josh Bell, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I do like Watson. So he had been really hot. I know he just got um, – he just came back from an injury. And he looked really good from other teams, guys. But, wait, it's a steep price. All these all these acquisitions have come at a steep price. But you know what? At least Kim is doing what she promised she'd do, and that's to add. And she added, what, four guys in total to the major league roster? Five, include Lopez. So you can you can't complain. You really can't complain. They're going all in. That's what you have to do. You're in a wild card spot even after losing yesterday. They're doing the right thing, but it's going to be a tough, tough job to replenish this farm system in the next couple of years. The, the, the inclusion of Segura in that trade is puzzling to me. Um, like, what, what, what does he do for uh, for the Guardians? Uh, right it's now? the money. It, my, it's the money. It's the option. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, just getting rid of the contract. Yeah, I guess. But um, but yeah, it's, it seems to be like a pure throw-in. Like Khalil is the value, right? Um, yeah. So the Marlins just have to clear out the money to pay for Josh Bell, right? And obviously, like we said, they'll likely be paying for Josh Bell next season as well, unless he all of a sudden hits a thousand over the course of the next couple of months. <laughs> so, yeah, um, really, really interesting trade with Segura and Watson. You see two players on opposite ends of their careers, and you get back a player who is kind of in the middle of his career with, with Josh Bell, or maybe treading towards the back end of his career. Um, but not really because he's still pretty young, right? But uh, man, his performance this year has been pretty suspect uh, when it comes to Bell. So that that trade, I, I honestly don't like it. Um, you know, the other one is uh, is okay, I would say, because they get back what they need in terms of back end rotational talent. 
Um, Cooper just, just didn't have a place here anymore is what I would say for him. Um, expiry contract, you know, you're bringing in now Josh Bell. That, that was obvious that he was going to go. Um, you're also bringing in Berger who could play first base, as we said before. Um, and then you throw in the prospect capital with, with Sean. So man, um, very interesting deadline. I'm glad to see that the Marlins were this active. They needed to be this active if they're truly serious about competing. Uh, and they're all in. You, you, you can say that the Marlins right now, from what they did, for what they did to this farm system today, they are all in. They're no longer prospect hugging. I know everybody hated when the, they prospect hugged in the past and everything else. They said no to trades at Khalil Watson as early as last year. And today they trade Khalil Watson. So there is your signification from Kim Ang and Bruce Sherman that this club is bought in right now to winning baseball games as early as, well, probably tomorrow because this lineup is in shambles today. But, yeah, um, they're, they're, they're all in. Yeah, and guys, just uh, so you guys know, um, you know, hug watch is a thing at this time of year. Eric Cooper's in the dugout giving hugs to everyone on the Marlins. He knows he's been told of the trade ice. Um, and, yeah, Eric Cooper is gone. And that's it. But it's tough to see these guys get hugs in the dugout about, what, oh, only 10 minutes till first. Bitch, my goodness. Yeah, I guess these guys are going to be headed to the airport. That's basically Yeah, and, and quickly, I do believe Garrett Cooper was the longest tenured guy on the team. Now, yes, yes, he is. He is. I, I was talking about that in the clubhouse today. Oh, holy crap, he's been here since 2018. Obviously, he hasn't played a ton because of injuries, but he has been here since 2018, the whole rebuild, the whole 2020 season. And up until today, he has been a Marlin. So, you know, thank him for his services. Yeah. So really quickly, he goes to a good situation. For, I'm sorry, Eli. He goes to a pretty good situation with San Diego, who needed first base help. Not uh, well, I, I guess it's a good situation. Uh, the Marlins are better than the Padres this year, record-wise. Well, yeah, <laughs> in terms of like his playing time, he'll play every day, probably. Yeah, and it looks. And Padres right. continued to make some other additions here as well. To I mean, they have Naylor, right? Don't they still have Naylor? They're, they're, oh, they have Cronin run that first. Who do they have at first base? Isn't it Naylor? Do they have a first base? Oh, no. Naylor's oh, been in Cleveland for like, like three. Sorry, sorry, I'm mixing up my teams again. I guess I'm Carver. My bad. So who, who is the Padres' first baseman? That's a good question. Cronenworth. Is Jake Cronenworth? Uh, I don't know if yeah. he And then quickly, quick note on Bell. He has a player option for next season. So right. He right. Exactly. That's what she'll take. Yeah, he will 100% take 6.5 so, Precisely. So if they, if Jorge Soler does opt in, they are running themselves into a lot of money for next season. I guess exactly. Your, which it's fine. You, you know, that's what you have a major league team for. I, 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 see, I see this as a as a as a pretty significant upgrade on both corners. You go from Segura, who was one of the worst hitters in the, in the MLB, to a guy who has 25 home runs, and then at first base, Coop being in and out of the lineup, a huge question mark. Josh Bell severely underperforming his bad, uh, according to his batted ball data. Cooper was performing exactly in line with his batted ball data. So if you look at the OPS plus, oh, they both have 96. Josh Bell is in line for serious positive regression if he keeps hitting the ball like this. So with that in mind, I see this as a huge W. I've always thought Khalil Watson, the name, has always produced the hype, not the numbers. I mean, it would have been nice if we let go of him in the Brian and Brian's Reynolds trade, but I, I mean, I think Josh Bell, I've always wanted Josh Bell on the team. I've always thought he was a solid player. So I see this as a huge W. With Bell, he also doesn't strike out much. Only, um, if I'm correct, 20% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate. I like the fit. I like the fit. Miami obviously had interest in him this past season. Let's see how 
he would how he kind of plays now. Obviously, he wasn't having a good year with with Cleveland or not to yeah. his, not the standards that they thought they were getting in for. So he will be the first baseman this season. Next season, you could best bet and. Maybe he's a trade piece next season for Miami if, if they're in a seller mode. Yeah, but as has been touched on by now a couple of you guys, this is a pretty strong indicator that they're not going to pay Solaire to uh, come back. So that's an interesting dynamic because he's been so important to this team uh, so far this season uh, with him. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Bell is the better player for the rest of this year and for next year than Solaire is. But there was uncertainty about whether they would have control over Solaire beyond this year. And in in that same mix, they uh, clear up their the roster. Well, they still have two first base only guys in Bell and Guriel, but you have somebody in Bell that's more natural platoon partner. You have somebody in Bell that, as D Rod just touched on, is somebody that uh, is poised. You would think to have a really good finish to the season as long as he continues to do the stuff he was already doing to get better results. But really quickly, let's get thoughts from the other speakers before we hang this up. But Jorge, we brought you in uh, <laughs> three trades now. In, in a matter of a couple hours, what's on your mind? Man, I, I was ready to cook. I was I was about to start letting the tweets fly. Um, but uh, but no, I think overall, like, I think my biggest complaint over the over the course of the season, I think the people that watch it understand that really the only threat in the lineup was Solaire. Like there was nobody that scared you. Like, sure, Arias is going to get you on base, but he's not really going to, you know, he's not going to hit that three-run shot. And so, like we all said, like, you had guys that would get on base and then soft ground out to the left side of the infield, pop out, warning track, maybe. Uh, And to go get Berger and Josh Bell are guys that, like, they mash. Even if Josh Bell is having a, a down year, like, he has a track record of being a masher. And then... He's going to opt in, and then he's going to be motivated to produce. Um, you know, I got rid of Floro, brought in uh, Jorge Lopez, David uh, David Robertson, and halfway joking, like, we haven't had the greatest track record of developing offensive prospects, so it sucks to give up Watson, but... You know, it is it is what it is, right? Like, you can look back on it in two, three, four, five years and go, oh, man, maybe we should have made that trade. Who knows how, you know, Josh Bell explodes. Like, it, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, I, like, uh, I like what Kim did. I was very pleased. There's a lot of uh, kind of, like, mixed opinions over the – coup for Ryan Weathers trade, but it was the same thing when they traded Marte for uh when they traded Marte for Luzardo and look at Luzardo now. And like we keep mentioning like the kid's twenty three and just let Mel cook. So yeah. uh I know I'm happy. I wanted to see like a big a partial facelift to the team, add some power and they've done that. And like I'm happy. It's it's a um it's a vote of confidence to the fans. that They're actually willing to go in and do what they got to do uh, to improve the team. So quick, I'm, I'm happy quick, with them. Quick updates. Edward Cabrera has been optioned to AAA Jacksonville. They are bringing back Andrew Darty and Garrett Hampson has been recalled from AAA Jacksonville. So plenty of moves on top of the trades. 
Eli, Isaac, and I, and I guess just the group chat on Fish on First was really talking about, you know, after Edward's start that I think that we all thought a triple-A stint was necessary for Edward, and he's going to yes. go down there, obviously. It'll give him time to work on his command issues. Yep. And, um, well, I guess Ryan Weathers is kind of the, uh, the, the replacement here. Yeah, so with Weathers, it's the only difference. It's, these guys have struggled. <laughs> you could say that Weathers has struggled more than even Edward has uh, in terms of production. What you're doing is – and you have somebody that could throw strikes, but a lot of those strikes are meatballs, unfortunately, <laughs> with him. It's it's so much more balls in play and a lot more balls over the fence. You know, he has not performed. So they're acquiring him. That's the diciest part of this is getting somebody that you don't know if he immediately makes your rotation better. And the bar was pretty low in terms of getting a starter that would do that. And I don't know whether checks that box. There is risk. There is risk with this deadline overall. Um, you can point to every player here that they acquired for their major league team. Uh, there is risk uh, with every one of them. So that's why it's not, it's not a perfect deadline. And no such thing as a perfect deadline. They're, they're absorbing a lot of risk here and giving up quite a bit of prospect capital in the process as well. Uh, I think all things considered, they needed to take a swing to have a to, to give themselves a realistic chance of actually making the playoffs. I didn't think they had a shot if they stood pat on the starting pitching and on the position player side. So they made a lot of creative moves. And um, I think if nothing else, this is going to bring quite a bit of excitement and enthusiasm. I think this is, these are going to be well-received in general uh, by people that they, they are making that push. They're adding more money. Uh, I need to do, process all this, but they are taking on this whole deadline between Robertson, three and a half million left to him this year and bell um, over Cooper. Bell was making about four times as much money as Cooper this year. They are adding in, they are dumping Segura in the process, but I think if you net it all out, they've added, this is not a, only a Kim Ang masterclass, but this is Bruce Sherman kind of doing what he was supposed to do. He is taking on quite a bit of money at this deadline uh, when the playoffs are not a certainty and knowing that, uh, knowing the risk involved as I just laid out. So hats off to Bruce Sherman on being complicit in some of these moves that they wanted to make. Just to fully illustrate yeah. this really quickly. quickly yeah, Eli mentioned it. Gene Segura is going to get released by the Guardians. So, yeah. yeah. That was expected, to, though. to fully illustrate this really quickly, um, Kevin, I'll go to. Uh, I'll ask you. With Watson gone from the Marlins, who is the best offensive prospect for the Marlins? Jesus Christ. You made that. That's, that may be one of the hardest questions. Oh, God. It's Kemp Alder. I'm just kidding. Victor Mesa Jr., I guess? That's all I can think of. I don't, I don't like what you used on this. According to Pipeline, back. if you go by what how Pipeline's... Yeah, I, think, I, think it's right Jake, I think it's Jacob Barry. No, no. By yeah. them, yeah, by them would be Barry and then Joe Mack as the top two. Yeah. By them, it would be Barry and then Joe Mack. Yeah, we do, uh, not, we, then, we do not agree with that assessment there. Um, no, we don't. Um, I, first, it's Victor Mesa Jr. I just want to let you guys know. Yeah, I would agree with Victor Mesa Jr. followed by, I guess probably a little further down, Yeri Capay, who has been disappointing this year. But you can see what I mean. That's The point I wanted to make is they cleared out this system through these through these trades today um, with one of their best pitchers and, are, and not so arguably, definitely not arguably, their best offensive talent. So they're all in. Like I said before, they're all in for this year and maybe even next year. Uh, past that, man, uh, long-term projection of the system looks – Looks a little, looks a little rough unless these draft guys pop off. It looks a little, uh, yes. a little rough. We, we had a commenter just now shout out Troy Johnston as the best hitter in the system. We love I Troy, like and he's performed like the best one this year, right behind him and Dane Myers neck and neck with them. But of course, Troy is now twenty six. Troy is almost as old as Jake right. Berger is. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, 
Any, uh, I know, let's hear finally from Danilo, who's the last one that I brought in that hasn't had a chance to speak. So if there's anything you want to add before we wrap this up and watch the real baseball game, go ahead. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, honestly, I'm you know, partially excited about what's, what's to come. I've been a big fan of Josh Bell for, for a while. I, I'm old enough to remember when Josh Bell was the best hitter on the Pirates a couple years back. And he did run the Marlins up for a few good runs when he was on the Nationals. Ultimately, they gave up a couple prospects, but they did get better in the corners where they needed the most help. There's still an issue with, with uh, a shortstop and center field long term, but you know, if you worry about those in the offseason. And when you bring in these guys to a team that's in the middle of a of, of, of a post season cha- uh, of a postseason birth, you hope that that kind of revitalizes and re-energizes guys like Josh Bell to perform more like his career averages than he's currently having and encourages you know, Jake Berger. Hopefully, there's an average situation that can uh, help you know in- increase his his uh, his uh, offensive metrics for the Marlins. But you know, overall, I, I guess uh, it's a Solid upgrade for a team that was in dire need of home runs and a new first baseman. Yep. Yeah, significant, significant with the money, though. Um, yeah, it's a fun uh, deadline, guys. Fun deadline. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Um, definitely really fun. A lot more fun than last year. Um, what you can say, though, is what we've all, what we've all been saying, Danilo and everybody else, like they're, they're, they're clearly bought in for right now. Um, but man, the the long term projection for minor league system is uh, looks a lot worse today. And then yeah, yeah. I do but this is, So so with Edward going down, the rotation he basically takes over for Weathers. Wouldn't surprise me if Yuri's back pretty soon. I mean, if this Weathers thing doesn't work early on, Yuri's Yuri's Yuri. He's there. That's all I'll say. Yeah, correct. Yuri pitching tonight, his second minor league start since being sent down. We expect him to get stretched out even a little more than he was the previous time. Still, I would expect at least one more minor league start after that before they consider bringing him back. Yeah, with this one. Uh, uh, Ryan Weathers is, uh, for, at least for a few starts, he's gonna. those starts are going to be scrutinized very closely with him because there were there were simply better, better present-day immediate rotation upgrades available. Uh, but they were able to get him in, I think what all things considered in that particular deal for, it was less expensive than some of the other deals that uh, were out there for starters at this deadline. Every game is going to count. If this team does make the playoffs, I don't think it's going to be by a big margin. So all of these games, very, very precious with uh, with them. But yeah, fun deadline. I think that's the one thing that people can agree on is that uh, they made, there was a lot of consternation deep into today about them not making any additional moves but those those first two count as well. The Jorge Lopez, David Ro- David Robertson, those are deadline deals. The Marlins made five deadline trades without even checking. I, I'm pretty confident that is either most or tied for the most among major league teams. I, I can't imagine any other team has been more aggressive in trying to tweak their roster to make it more well-rounded and dangerous. Then this well, is much- I, I will say this. Go ahead, Billy. Uh, I was going to say that this is a much better deadline than the last time when they bought, which brought us Andrew Kashner, or brought the Marlins, Andrew Kashner, and uh, the one start of Colin Ray. Yeah, I don't remember that. Oh, I don't remember that, but yeah. I I will say, I I believe Eli, Eli, so looking back at the predictions we did with Alex Carr yesterday, he was the closest. I I believe between the Phillies and Marlins, they made seven trades, two from the Phillies, five by Miami. (laughs) 
The two from the Phillies. Well, no, the, the first two weren't in our game. Our prediction game was just for starting okay. last night. So that I guess the Phillies so made five, two, you said? I think I missed the second Phillies. It was Rodolfo Castro, and they also got Lorenzen. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that would so, be five from when we made that prediction last night. Okay. Well, I think we could end it here, I, I would say. Yes. Yes, we can. That was a great show. Great following. Thank you all for – we saw a lot of people here. Well, thank you guys for, for showing up. We appreciate it. I guess we'll have a seat of the fish at some point in the, in the end of the week. So we'll, we'll be recapping their first weeks. I'll be at the ballpark with Noah tomorrow. We'll be hearing from the newest members of the Marlins, Ryan Weathers, Josh Bell, and Jake Berger. And we will, we'll, and we don't, I don't know if Kim is speaking today. I would assume it's, if it's not today, it's tomorrow. So that'll be mentioned at some point. So yeah, thank you guys for um, joining us from Eli, from Alex Carver, from Isaac, from everyone else who joined. Crutch, I believe, joined here for a second. We'll see you guys all on Friday for the Texas Rangers series. That's a big one coming up. And, and yeah, go fish. <laughs>